Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. That, of course, is the G20 Summit, Antifa, riots, Hamburg burns. I'm telling you, what the fuck? It's the 10th of July, year of our Lord 2017. Today's show, we're going to go off subject uh, after our normal intros and uh, news and social media nuggets. We're going to do uh, live PD. I saw something the other day that um, I have... As those who followed the show know, been to war, seen some pretty horrible shit, but I was about to fall asleep uh, Friday night, and I witnessed something that I gotta admit, I, I was speechless. I literally woke up, I had taken a sleeping pill because I was having sleeping problems, it woke me up instantly, and it shocked the shit out of me, um, so that's that's where we were today i my initial intro for this was a heavy five things you need to know about the g20 riots but because our media seems to love rioters so much they don't call them rioters they call them peaceful protesters i, I actually have uh you know media tweets with the protesters these are just protesters that it had a nice backbeat i mean they put this to a kicking nice rap type song and orchestrated it like it was a rap video so uh yeah we had to record over speaker but uh to get into a black clad anarchist try to blind g20 riot police and helicopter pilots with lasers as fires are lit across hamburg nearly 200 officers are injured more than 70 people were injured in violent clash with riot police Riot police. We'll say riot police. We won't say that they were rioters. Yeah, okay. Police anticipate 100,000 demonstrators descended on the city. Word leaders, including uh, Trump and Putin, are set to discuss issues including terrorism. Organizers of demonstrations have accused German police of overreacting and dozens have been injured. And one of those sections, when you're hearing those guys curse in German, yeah, they're beating the living shit out of them. And I hate to say it, they deserve the beating of a lifetime. They deserve the beating of a lifetime. They are pieces of shit. Um, shocking image showed green lasers strobe the police line in an effort to blind officers involved in attempts to secure the city. City. Um, it went on all weekend. It was horrible. There's other videos online that show just burning destruction. And we're going to find out that Americans went there. There are American protesters in there. But there was an American politician, too, and he will make our hate tweets. End result, uh, Russia and U.S. came a, together on a deal for a Syrian ceasefire. We'll see if that actually goes someplace. 
Um, Chuck Schumer, of course, his response. Well, a few good things came out of this G20 summit. Overall, it was an embarrassment to our country and our ideals. Okay. Okay, Chucky. Later, later on, you'll see Chuck Schumer wants to FDA to regulate fucking chocolate. So just shut up. Um, but I watched MTP in this week. Haven't watched in months. None of them had a pro-Trump person on them. None of them. None, none of them found anything positive. Not even the Poland speech, which a lot of people did. And the show not only is our media fucking crazy for anarchists, which they don't understand. Anarchists don't like them either. It's kind of like the terrorist thing. Anarchists will beat the fuck out of you and burn your house down, just like a terrorist will chop your fucking head off. But, you know, whatever. BBC breaking news. This was their tweet. G20 protesters reported to be looting premises in Hamburg amid continuing clash with police. Some Briton said, Do you know this tree protester and riot? I mean, is anybody in the media know that? I don't think they did. Brian Art, who I didn't know who he was, but he's a pro-Marxist dude. His result was the Warsaw speech was a nod to white nationalist Bates. Okay. And we'll listen to a soundbite of the morning shows. They are, once again, any violence in the world. If a mountain lion kills a rabbit, it's Trump's fault. So you can expect all these networks. It's Trump's fault. Anarchists clad in black, cowardly hiding their persona, are destroying Hamburg. We'll listen to that as we close the loop. Free trade and damage to the environment are contentious topics at the G20, and it's anger over some of those very same issues that brought left-wing activists into the streets of Hamburg. But, uh, I think it's fair to say that with Donald Trump in town, the stakes are certainly higher. These protests are against the violence of the G20. We believe that there is no hope coming from the G20. We want the American people to know that Donald Trump has no friends here, and that um, when we when Donald Trump comes to Germany for his first uh, visit to Germany, there will be a massive opposition. LaCour and her fellow left-wing activists hold G20 leaders responsible for a host of problems, including climate change, the migration crisis, and economic inequality. CNN doxing and threatening and blackmailing somebody. Vox actually wrote something and they accused him of blackmailing. This threat would be extremely unethical. Late on Tuesday, CNN posted an anti-article about the Reddit user being a wrestling gift, blah, 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 showing the president. CNN new article at first seemed to be fairly standard investigation describing how it found the identity of the Reddit user hand asshole solo who has history of posting racist, bigoted, and anti-Semitic messages, which nobody actually has proven, but we just keep saying it, and I think it's really cute how all of a sudden the media started with a hand A with the two asterisks for the S's, whole solo, but now they just say, fuck it, we'll say asshole solo, because he's an asshole. How dare he attack us? Then they already got, got two incredibly alarming paragraphs, seeing is not publishing, blah, 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 we've read it, unless he does what we say, basically. 
CNN reserves the right to publish his identity should any of that change. Two paragraphs as multiple journalists, including myself, pointed out, read a lot like CNN essentially threatened to dock someone, meaning reveal a person's private identity if that person didn't have a CNN demanded. The apparent threat quickly took off as a social media under the hashtag, hashtag CNN blackmail, which mostly conservatives and Trump supporters calling out CNN for what would be a seriously unethical behavior for a major media organization. Since then, the author of the piece, Andrew Kaczynski, has said the two paragraphs were not meant as a threat. Blah, blah, blah. CNN also provided a statement to me in defense. CNN also, uh, CNN decided not to publish the name of Reddit user at a page free, sorry, uh, out of concern for safety. Any assertion of the network blackmailed or coerced him is false. The user, who is an adult male, not a 15 year old boy, apologized and deleted his account for ever speaking with a reporter. CNN never made any deal of any kind with the user. In fact, CNN included its decision to withhold the user's identity in an effort to be completely transparent that there was no deal. The plain reading of the CNN article, however, contradicts what the network and Kaczynski are saying. If CNN really intended to withhold Han Asshole Solo's information, regardless of what he did, then why didn't the news organization say it was withholding the private information simply because he's a private citizen? Why did it go on to add all the conditions about his behavior? And why did it say it could release the private information with explicit condition tied to his behavior? Personally, if I were part of the story, it would have been pretty straightforward. They go on to dog him. And this is the part why I'm reading it. Just imagine if the situation was flipped. Some with the liberal view post a wrestling gif of Democrat politician beating up a man whose head is the Fox News logo. The liberal politician then picks up his wrestling gift, tweeted it. A background check of the Reddit user then reveals he's made some ugly comments in the past about conservative female politicians and journalists in particular. There you go. Should Fox News be allowed to tell this Reddit user that they will release his private information he doesn't behave Fox News wants? Should Fox really be a gatekeeper of what goes up on Reddit and other social media? Should people trust Fox News or any other media outlet with this kind of power? My guess is many liberals wouldn't appreciate Fox News doing this, and they shouldn't. That came from Vox. They close with, short of that, though, it would be nice if media organizations did take part in the kind of crappy behavior that much of the Internet already takes part in. CNN, Fox News, and other media organizations should not be threatening people. They should not be even hinting at doxing people. There's enough of that out there, and media outlets should be held to a higher standard. Oh, when Vox is scolding you, CNN, I really want you to look at yourself. Just look at yourself. Vox. Freaking Vox. But then doing a little research, Kaczynski has a history of doxing. Uh, in three separate incidents, Kaczynski can be found identified as someone in an attempt to ruin their lives and career. In 2013, John Nolte wrote about Kaczynski sicking his 100k followers on a New York-based communication director who penned an offensive tweet. We talked about that one. Um, Kaczynski in 2017 wrote an article on David Clark attempting to expose any frivolities in a bid to ruin his career and reputation. This week, Milo exposed the time Kaczynski erroneously identified person behind the Boston bombing to his then 81k followers. It cannot be understated the wrongly identified Sunni Tripath ended up killing himself and proven innocent of a false accusation. How Kaczynski can look himself in a mirror every morning, let alone act as if his integrity to write reporting news is completely beyond me, 
Therefore, Kaczynski so brazenly attacked his name to a smug, thinly veiled threat of identification because it's normal to him. That is sad, unspoken reality, but his entire messy ordeal. Heavy even did an article, Five Things You Need to Know. Kaczynski got a start as BuzzFeed while still a college student known for mining old videos. Kaczynski has been as a center of controversial story and misidentified a Boston bombing. Uh, this guy committed suicide. We already talked about that. Kaczynski is married to a Wall Street Journal reporter and intern for the Republican Party. And yet he spends his time bashing them. Kaczynski is known for his work ethic and was a major history major in college. Kaczynski is a son of a lawyer who represents a tobacco company. So now parents and wives of Andrew Kaczynski face barrage of harassment following the hand asshole solo story. According to the Daily Beast, which once again is a liberal rag, CNN staffers have become increasingly apprehensive about death threats and other harassing messages targeting on-air anchors and top executives being sent on social media and harassing phone calls. Kaczynski, the writer of the CNN piece, is obviously taking the brunt of it. The parents and wife of Andrew Kaczynski, this is from their article, author of the gift story, and leader of CNN's investigative K-File team, had received around 50 harassing phone calls each by Wednesday, while other K-File team members had ugly messages apparently from Trump supporters left at their home. Apparently. The only thing I worry about is somebody getting hurt. A CNN insider told the Daily Beast, speaking on condition of an anonymity because this person is not authorized to discuss internal network operations, these far-right trolls are really threatening people and coming after people. Somebody's got to do something stupid at this point. People really, really worry about the safety of all the prominent people who represent us on air and the people who are breaking news they don't like or people in their senior management. I fear for all of them. Ooh. But it doesn't seem to actually matter to the network. Here's a panel discussion with that troll, Brian Seltzer, from Reliable Sources, which is neither reliable or a source. That awkward sentence saying that CNN might in the future reserve the right to reveal the identity, it caused the hashtag CNN blackmail to start trending. John Avalon, Daily Beast, you had a, a reporter write about this issue uh, and about what we saw the alt-right sort of do to criticize CNN for it. What was your assessment of this? Look, I, I think what's, 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 what's troubling and fascinating is the way that what Christian just expired, explained, which is a, you know, a infelicitous language added by an editor at, at the request of legal, all of a sudden got made uh, and turned into a fictitious vision of playing the victim that is amplified, right. moral justification, saying that it was a 15-year-old boy. Right, that this anonymous a, user was a teenager when would, it was actually a middle-aged man. Not, in fact, yet. Yeah, very important that that fundamental lie became part of the narrative that created an aura of moral justification for a social media mob frenzy that was amplified probably artificially, in part by bots, but it's part of a larger pattern, which mm. is trying to actually say that we're the real victims, we're going to swarm... Uh, on via social media at the very least with real threats to try to create an aura of confusion and it has to be predicated on a fundamental lie to distract from the original issue which is the president of the united states tweeting out a a, a meme that shows violence against a news outlet uh, then we'll do that and we'll try to play the victim and get the upper hand and we'll mm. use social media swarm tactics to do it that's something new it's something dangerous but it's something that we need to be very firm about not getting distracted mm -hmm. by because the whole purpose mm. is to, to distract us from the real issue it's still trending on Twitter, 
we'll stay with this story. Bill Maher, of course, a couple podcasts ago said the N-word. Now he said, hold my beer. Bill Maher, this North Korea thing is getting tense. I mean, I think it is. I'm on vacation. The ladies at my nail salon are freaking out. That's what I know. And the internet destroyed him. Over and over and over and over. Because what are you stereotyping? Only Koreans or nail salon? What the fudge? To the latest Russia, Russia, Russia. Huge New York Times, WAPO. Everybody's going crazy about it. I'm going to wait for it to settle for a couple days. And I'll hit it on Friday's podcast. Trump team met with a lawyer linked to Kremlin during campaign. I, once again, anything with Russia in it. The media is going to run, and they think that's the smoking gun, but the, I don't see much in it. The first couple stories I've read, it's like, okay, whatever. We're going to go into our tweets of the day. i got to play this. This is Linda Sarsour, that piece of shit, anti-Semitic, Palestinian criminal who is being deported, but happens to be the face of the Women's March, which always makes me think, what the F? Yeah, she's calling for jihad on America. Sisters and brothers, it's been 16, almost 17 years since the horrific attacks of 9-11. And we still as a community find ourselves unprepared in so many moments. Why, sisters and brothers, why are we so unprepared? Why are we so afraid of this administration and the potential chaos that they will ensue on our community. And we already saw their potential when they come out every few weeks, Muslim ban one, Muslim ban two, Muslim ban three. They are relentless, they are persistent and consistent and wanna see how much we as a community can endure and wanna see who our friends are and how hard we're going to fight back against this administration. And I hope that we, when we stand up to those who oppress our communities, that Allah accepts from us that as a form of jihad that we are struggling against tyrants and rulers, not only abroad in the Middle East or in the other side of the world, but here in these United States of America where you have fascists and white supremacists and Islamophobes reigning in the White House. We have to stay outraged. Do not criticize me when I say that we as a Muslim community in these United States of America have to be perpetually outraged every single day. When I wake up in the morning and I remember who's sitting in the White House, I am outraged. This is not normal, sisters and brothers. Those people sitting in the most powerful seats in this country is not normal. So do not ever be those citizens that normalize this administration because when the day comes that something horrific happens to us or to another community, you will be responsible for normalizing this administration. Our number one and top priority is to protect and defend our communities. It is not to assimilate and to please any other people in authority. Our obligation is to our young people, is to our women, and make sure our our women are protected in our community. And our top priority, even higher than all those priorities, is to please Allah and only Allah.
somebody asked me the other day why I play lengthy clips. I play lengthy clips so nobody can ever say that I've taken something out of context. That entire screed is anti-American. And as we will see later on in our hypocrisy and in our hate tweets, the media literally wrote articles saying that the interpretation of jihad was wrong. That jihad's not a bad word, the Washington Post said. Anything to protect terrorists. That's our media right now. That's why I hate them. Some will say I'm a trumpet, a trumpet or whatever they're calling them nowadays. No, it has nothing to do with Trump. I'm a veteran. I fought these motherfuckers. And I realize everybody out there trying to support them, they will put your head on your chest. They will fucking put your head on your chest. They don't care about you. Everything the left pushes is the very reason they hate America. Not that I'm against it. Once again, I don't care if you're gay, you want to be a goat, if you want to fuck a llama. I could give two shits. But those ideals and those values are the very reason that are the antithesis of what Islam, extreme Islam is, and normal Islam. I mean, we've already covered on the show 90% of all Islamists or Muslim people want Sharia law. Sharia law itself is against everything America stands for. So to our tweets of the day, Susan B. Anthony list, what's pro-life about? A hashtag. This was started by the abortion cult who love killing babies and awesomely, just awesomely, it was just not a word, the right took it over. Human rights for all humans don't discriminate on age. Adoption is greater than abortion. Women deserve better. Others, protecting the life of undeveloped fetus while its mother can most likely die. Making pregnant women ineligible to enroll in Medicaid expansion across the country. Nothing. That's it. This is all the evil stuff people said. That is a flat-out lie. Pro-life is pro-woman. Being responsible. It may suck, but at least you're not a murderer, was a tweet I grabbed at the end of that screed because it was my favorite. Chank Unger. Twitter needs to have a layer between verified and anonymous. Maybe green check next to name of anyone is using the real name and info. Michael A. Wood. Sounds like a green card for people not good enough for citizenship. Am I crazy? Chad Felix Green summed it up. Do liberals really not see the insanity of demanding ID for social media, but not for voting? And I was going to make that the tweet of the day, but I had a better tweet of the day, because that is just it. That's it. That's it. You don't want an anonymity online because it hurts your feelings because people shove back at you what you shove at the world. But go to a voting poll. Oh, that's racist. So to our tweet of the day, with all these protests, and I'm going to post this with the file on the Facebook page. They show fucking shit burning, people ripping shit up, everybody's clown in black, and here's this Antifa dude, fully bearded, pulls his face off, his little face mask, and he's taking a fucking selfie. And Jimmy Rushmore said it, that feeling when you're overthrowing capitalism but just can't resist taking a selfie on your iPhone 7.
take tweet of the day! You know, that that's the perfect synopsis for things that people that have followed the show. You've heard me say a million times on here that all these people, like the Antifa guy I meet, you know, <laughs> you all talk about saving the planet, and you all talk about we all need to ride bikes and live in caves, but you're never giving up your iPhone. And I don't know how the fuck you're going to charge that with a fire or something because well then you can't burn fire either because that'll kill the planet to our hate tweets <sighs> got some bad ones today tamika mallory the co-president of the women's march incorporated announced that the movement was going to host a protest in front of the nra headquarters in fairfax virginia on july 14th they will march 17 miles from the nra to the department of justice i would pay money to watch that because I don't think they're going to watch 17 miles. Samuel Sigui, who's a political analyst for Our States, which connects communities to actionable information and tools to reject Trump. So it's kind of a liberal jerk fest. Trump warmly greeting Putin today is like George W. Bush greeting Osama bin Laden a few months after 9-11. Educated hillbilly. This scorching take can melt steel beams. There was so much this week that I, I'm not even covering it. It is, it, 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 just shut up. Just friggin' shut up. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Shut up. Just shut up. So, we played Linda Sarsour, and I have to put it in the hate tweets also. I gotta double cover this, cause here's the article from WAPO. Jihad is not a dirty word. I, I, I I just can't understand the media. I, I can't understand how butt-fucking-blind you can be, but okay. Jihad appears to have become the scariest word in the world these days. This month, Muslim activist Linda Sarsour used the word in a lecture, expressing her hope that God accepts the efforts of Muslims to peacefully resist anti-Muslim discrimination in the United States as a form of jihad. The internet went ablaze of fury, which critics fear-mongering that Sarsour calls for jihad against Trump. These responses grossly distort not only what she said, but also what jihad actually means. Contrary to what extremists and anti-Muslim personalities claim, the word jihad does not mean to wage holy war, or to kill the infidel, or to commit terrorism. The word jihad means to struggle. The Prophet Muhammad said the best jihad was to speak words of truth in front of a tyrannical leader. And this is what Sasar clearly referenced in her lecture. Not violence, not terrorism. Indeed, the only two groups that claim jihad equal terrorism are ISIS and Islamophobes with an agenda. Both are ignorant of Islam and serve only one another. Now, did you just see what they did? They equated what they believe is Islamophobe. I am an Islamophobe to the left. Though I never say anything to Islam, I would never harm another person on the street just because they're Muslim. I would kill any terrorist that came around me and was doing a terrorist action. That makes me an Islamophobe. And speaking to truth, that Islam has a problem. They just got a problem. Every religion has problems in their time. Catholics had pedophiles. There was shit with the Christians back in the day. Right now, Islam's in the spotlight because they're killing fucking people all over the place. And what's the most amazing part about it is that folks, they're killing Muslims. They're killing their own faith at an alarming rate. 
you think that would make the left upset, but it doesn't. This article then goes in and breaks down the Quran, which I want you to understand you never would see the breaking down of the Bible. Media only uses the Bible as a cudgel to get against people who don't want to go with their liberal ideology. Their second bullet is jihad, is the jihad against Satan. Finally, the third or less of jihad is a struggle against open enemy. Which, that's us. They go through the whole thing, breaking it down. It ends with, we have a long road ahead, but whatever your jihad, make it a true jihad of peace, education, and protection of people of all faiths, and no faith, which is the media. From Merriam's Webster, I was going to do this, but I didn't have to. John Street tweeted back to these fucking morons at WAPO, definition of jihad. From Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Not an alt-right site, not the Daily Caller, not from out of Trump, not from some white nationalist. The fucking Dictionary. A holy war waged on behalf of Islam as a religious duty. Also, a personal struggle and devotion to Islam, especially involving spiritual discipline. First definition, holy war. That's what she meant. Anti-hipster, listen to yourselves. Is she worth it? Danny the girl, jihad is not a dirty word. Maybe it's a new Democrat sticker. Later, WAPO played a doggone another card, and they said Muslim activist Linda Sarsour references to jihad draws conservative wrath. Noah Rothman. Rothman's Law. The story isn't the story. The conservative reaction to the story is the story. And somebody rightly put Two tweets back to back. Conservatives in uproar over plane crash in New York City, D.C. and Pennsylvania. And then they decided just to double down. Not conservative. People with common sense. So Washington Post, you get to meet Samuel L. Jackson. Oh no, because today we have more than one mother flupper of the day. I just want you to make sure you understand, Tony's not accentuating on this. Here's a tweet for 2013 from Linda Sassar before we move on to our next contestant. Republican used the word jihad in the right context. Jihad against Obamacare. How ironic. What if a Muslim said that? You, you can't take that away, folks. Sally Cohn, I stand with Linda, and also facts and truth and justice. Jeff McIrish, I am not all surprised you stand with the Sharia-pushing Islamist. This is one of the tweets I've covered many times on here. Bridget Gabriel equals Ayah Ehersi Ali. She's asking for an ass-whipping. I wish I could take their vaginas away. They don't deserve to be women. That's Linda Sarsour. That is Linda Sarsour. That is from March... 2011. She's a hateful Islamist. She did not not mean jihad. 
She meant jihad. It ain't a struggle. It's a war. If she had it her way, we'd all be dead. But our second, de Blasio begins all-expense-paid trip to G20 riots. Mayor Bill de Blasio landed Friday morning in Germany, where he will spend the weekend attending various events, including a leftist protest related to the G20 summit of world leaders. De Blasio races to Germany to protest G20. This is all from the New York Post, not the New York Times, because New York Times, they agreed with him going over here. De Blasio is expected to call into his weekly segment on WYNC Radio and is scheduled for the rest of Friday. Also includes meeting with the first mayor of Hamburg, Olaf Scholz, the president of the Hamburg Parliament, Carolina Alexandria, and attending a reception for G20, according to a schedule put out by de Blasio's office. On Saturday, de Blasio will be a keynote speaker at the Hamburg Zeithaltuk rally on human rights and democracy, where he is expected to speak out against President Trump's policy. His nor's overseas John is being paid for by the rally's organizer, as is the tab for three city hall staffers with him. The mayor also made sure the free trip will include a visit with his son Dante, a Yale University student, spending the summer on internship in Berlin. De Blasio took off from Hamburg on Thursday afternoon, where New York hours, after skipping an NYPD swearing-in ceremony, made somber by the assassination of Mazata Familia earlier this week. He is scheduled to leave Germany on Sunday. Another article, New York mayor on Germany trip, the world should know that Americans don't align with Trump. Just like that young girl you heard in the beginning, some very, very haggish looking woman who hates everything and speaks for everybody in Germany. So de Blasio says, I'm going to speak for everybody in America. Facing widespread criticism over the decision to fly to Hamburg just after the shooting death of a Bronx police officer, Mayor de Blasio said American views don't align with President Trump's. While the national governments will probably only make limited progress, the rest of us don't have that choice. If we make only limited progress, we'll only be going backwards, de Blasio told Bloomberg before speaking at a Saturday protest that coincided with a group of G20 summit attended by Trump and other world leaders. We almost have Washington as an island at this point, underrepresentative of the views of the American people on many levels, and that's going to make a different kind of politics to address. De Blasio's speech at the protest called Hamburg Show Show's attitude reflected a similar theme of citizens and localities defying the police, the policies of the national government, specifically on issues such as climate change and marriage equality. That was a Freudian slip with the policies because they're defying the police. Eric Phillips tweeted, on the tens of thousands of peaceful protests in Hamburg, we have a phrase in America we like to use. This is what democracy looks like. American cities are signed on to the Paris Accord. We will do it ourselves, de Blasio said at the rally. He and other mayors from across the United States have vowed to uphold the Paris Agreement like the loser down in Nashville. Though unpopular with law enforcement back home, de Blasio was applauded by Hamburg police as he commended them. Mayor leading sustained applause for Hamburg police. Our right to protest is directly related to the fact that our police protect us. So he respects Hamburg police more than us. Later on, he chose to leave while the city is mourning. I just don't understand what he's thinking, Ed Mullins, president of the Sergeant's Benevolent Association, told WAPO. Mullins said de Blasio's job is in New York, not abroad. It's not because he's playing an intricate role in solving world politics and world peace and all these issues. As a mayor of New York, you really have no role in global politics. Where you do have a role is the city of New York, and in the city of New York right now, a police officer was assassinated. 
The Sergeant's Beloved Association tweeted Friday about the police officers who've been injured in a series of violent anti-capitalist protests. So far, 160 police officers have been injured by protesters at this year's G20 summits. Whose side are you on, Mr. Mayor? De Blasio's combative relationship with the police stretches back to 2013 campaign, which he heavily criticized stop and frisk. Police union officials accused de Blasio of fueling anti-police sentiment. Tensions boiled over in December 2014 after two Brooklyn officers were shot to death. Later that month, hundreds of police officers outside Christ Tabernacle Church turned their backs on him, which they deserved. De Blasio's political opponent, Republican state lawmaker Nicole Milatis, has accused the mayor of ignoring the city, while hashtag NYC subways crumble, sex crime increased double digit, litter on the street pile up a number of homeless sores, hashtag G20. She wrote in a tweet that included a Photoshop picture of de Blasio holding a plate of sausages and sauerkraut. The post just didn't give no shits. The day after an NYPD cop was executed, Mayor de Blasio jets off to Germany to rally lefties against the G20. And don't Come back, in bold words. Trump Jr., NYC mayor, goes to G20 to protest against capitalism while the city education infrastructure, etc., rots under his progressive stewardship. Bellasio's press office did not respond to requests for comment, but the mayor said during his regular radio talk on WNYC on Friday, he's able to attend to local issues regardless of where he is. They invited me as a colleague. They wanted to, I think, represents the fact that there are a variety of views in the United States, particularly on climate change, de Blasio uttered. Organizers of the Hamburg Show's attitude protests, the New York mayor was invited to be the keynote speaker because of his political views that contradict Trump. Bill de Blasio is the mayor of a city that stands like no other on our planet for liberty, internationality, and coexistence in different cultures. With all the challenges evolved, according to the event's website, for example, de Blasio is committed to social equality, minority rights, and climate protection. New York is a world symbol of freedom and diversity. Right now, it's important to stand together, regardless of nationalities, for values such as cohesion and nonviolence, where they are under each, under such intense pressure around the world. I say to all of you, if the world wants that mayor, that mayor is anti-American because the world is anti-American. And so he joins Linda Sassar for our first ever double Samuel L. Jackson sponsored. Okay, he's not actually sponsoring it. Motherfuckers of the day.
Hypocrisy! Centrists don't feel welcome in either party, right? Well, with all due respect, when Tom's saying Republicans don't give a blank about anyone, when he goes around and says that about the other party, I know Democrats care about other people. We just have a difference of opinion on the path to get there. But that type of rhetoric doesn't bring people to our parties. We have to have a, a reasonable discussions, have a dialogue, be respectful of each other, but share our opinions as to what the best path is to get to the same place we both want to go, which is a better life for our kids, for our grandkids. But you brought up a line that you said yeah. that you were quoted as saying. Do you regret saying that? No. It, it, well, you know, Chuck, here's the problem. I meet people who are worried to death because this Republican repeal bill is not a health care bill. It's a tax cut bill for the mega wealthy masquerading a as a health care bill. Say Republicans this don't is, give a blank well, about you. 200,000 people will die if the Re Affordable Care Act is repealed. That's Chuck, that's, but that, don't take my word for it. These are the uh, assessments of people who have looked at the bill. 22 million people are going to lose their lifeline. I'm always you know, happy to have a The discussion. opioid well, epidemic I, I is think very we now, real. All right. And I, no, no, no. And <laughs> I, I, five alarm fire. And you don't fight a five alarm fire with only right a gallon we of gas. To and that's what they're trying us. to do. We're the that's only ones manning the station. All right. That was a segment on MTP about civility. And I thought it was very interesting. I, you know, once again, objectively, I sat back and I understand the female was a representative for um, the GOP, and I, I can't remember her damn name. And she was saying talking points, but he over and over, that's not health care, that's this, that's not health care. He never retracted people will die. He never retracted GOP doesn't give a shit. But Chuck Toad at no time made him. He pressed her, as he always does. He always pressed the Republican. But he did not press that piece of shit from the DNC. So, I just had to play it. New York Times says play, blaming Palin for shooting was an honest mistake. Sarah Palin's defamation lawsuit against New York Times should be tossed because the paper made an honest mistake when it said she incited a 2011 shooting that severely wounded Gabby Gifford. There was an honest mistake in posting the editorial. Lawyer David Schultz told Manhattan federal judge Jed Rockoff last week. Palin sued the Times over June 14th editorial that stated there was a direct link between one of Palin's pack ads and the shooting of Jared Lee Loeffner. But there's no evidence he ever saw the ad which placed Gifford District in stylized crosshairs. On Friday, Palin's lawyer argued that the Times knew the story was false, but literally acknowledged the same day in another story on the paper, said Kenneth Turkle. I hope she wins, because that is, by definition, defamation. That was never proven. They retracted it, but as we keep saying on the show... Retracting on the same article that nobody's going to read again. New readers see it, but old readers don't. But, you know, it's the New York Times. It's a paper record. They also mourn the sharp decline on illegal immigration under Trump. Our friend Howard Portney at Liberty Unyielding found the New York Times of Monday offered the kind of story we saw a few days ago in the Trump, in the, the Trump, we might as well be called the Trump paper now. Washington Post, because it's all they do is bash Trump. Heartbreaking tale of Donald Trump's winning by discouraging illegal immigration. The front page article poured out 1,698 words under the headline, Fearful Migrants Stop Short of U.S. Correspondent Kirk 
Semple began Holama Honduras. His bags were packed, and the smuggler was ready. If all went well, Eswin Joseph Fuentes figured he and his 10-year-old daughter would slip into the United States within days. Then the night before he planned to leave, he had a phone conversation with a Honduran friend living illegally in New York. Under President Trump, the friend warned the United States was no longer a place for undocumented migrants. Shaken, Mr. Fuentes abruptly ditched his plans in May and decided to stay here in Honduras, despite its unrelenting violence and poverty. He even passed up the 12000 the smuggler fees that his sister United States had lined up for the journey. I got scared of what's happening here, Mr. Fuentes said. While some of Mr. Trump's most ambitious plans to tighten the border are still a long way off, particularly his campaign pledge to build a massive wall, this hardline approach to immigration already seems to have led to sharp decline and flow of migrants from Central America bound for the United States. I cannot believe that's an article. I can't believe that's an article in our papers where our media really, really wants illegal immigrants. They think it's okie-dokie. That's how fucking bent we are. Brian Seltzer, some trolls falsely accused KFAL of using spyware. Here's the truth. Truth and CNN are a marriage of inconvenience, somebody tweeted. Art Tavana, there's a difference between trolling and journalism that's not properly fact-checked. Just making sure you note this to your followers. My favorite, though. <laughs> the clown with the floppy shoes and a red nose, five days later, still yapping about K-File. Live from the Jackass Network. Valerie Jarrett, thank you for your service to our country, was a tweet. I saw it, didn't think much of it, then I saw that it was something. Flag Waver, Semper 5 2017's his handle. You never thanked a single service member for their service in eight years. Looking forward to your perp walk. Valerie Jarrett went full cap locks. I thank you for your service since I see you were a Marine. Now for the facts. For eight years, I thank our service member all the time. Man, she's a hypocrite. You know why red states went back and did a simple search? It's very easy to search on Twitter, folks. He tweeted her, Hi, fact check, Valerie Jarrett. 11 young women, thank you for your service. W8 champs. She thanked Nara, Holder, some African-American policy person, African-American Police Officers Association, Ray LaHood, there is absolutely zero thank you, United States soldiers, Marines, airmen, sailors. I tweeted, yeah, no, you didn't. We weren't a demographic that voted for you, so you gave no shits. Hashtag fail. Yeah, I was gay. I did a hashtag. Here's an awesome one in the hypocrisy file. George Clooney plans to move a mall and twins back to L.A. for security reasons. Life and Styles exclusively learned that George Clooney has recently made plans to move back to L.A. for the safety of his family after the latest spate of terrorist attacks in England. He doesn't feel like a mall and the twins are safe living in English countryside. He's determined to move his family to L.A. where he feels much more secure. George's safety concern has been growing for years. The Oscar winner has been subject to very serious threats in the past, reveals a source. Because of his humanitarian effort and defers Sudan 
And Amal's work as an international human rights lawyer. But you're saying we need to bring all the Syrians into our country. What the fuck? Do you people even look at yourself? And not a single, not a single news media is going, look at this fucking hypocrite. Matthew Dowd, this guy is just on a freaking, just a trend of dumbass tweets. After interaction on social media and responses from Trump cult members, I now understand better how Galileo was attacked for telling the truth. If Galileo wanted as much time spouting nonsense on Twitter as you do, we'd still be making fun of Copernicus. Matthew Dowd then tweeted, It seems today that only block to authoritarian is a free press, and President and his supporters are full-scale attacking that. Wow. That one made me tweet him. I tweeted back, it's not the free press we're attacking, it's the DNC talking points we're attacking. You're a tool. Go fuck yourself. New York Times opinion, how would you feel while reading your newspaper seeing a headline that read, Roe v. Wade overturned? This was Carl Reiner. He then tweeted, I'm happy to have written an article that will appear in the Sunday Review of the New York Times titled Justice Kennedy Don't Retire. That was his article. Once again, fear-mongering that Roe v. Wade's going to be overturned. What he didn't understand, and why I'm even covering it, is the media, of course, will never cover the 76% who don't believe in federal funding for abortion, the 60-some-odd percent who don't believe abortion should happen after the 22nd week, the 60-plus percent who don't believe in the morning-after pill should be federally funded, and it is... 776,000 morning after pills, that's an abortion pill, federally funded by you and me. 95% of the replies were this. Liberal logic, if you love it, it's a baby. If you don't, it's just tissue. If life's hard, kill it. As its creator cries, he created this little one for destiny and purpose, not to be killed for selfish reason. Trust him. He is good. A lot of religious. I'm just grateful my mother took up the mantle and viewed me as more than a burden. That's an African-American girl. She's probably in her 20s. She then tweeted, I just realized I wrote this and my birthday is tomorrow. Thanks, Mom. Jim Tretcher, good. Katie Glenn, really good. Thrilled beyond relief. The equal protection of the right to life has been restored in this country. Unique human DNA equals life at conception. And it goes on and on and on. I, of course, who am totally crazy hateful of PPFA because of their illegal activities, tissue harvesting, all why we're paying for it. If they did this all by themselves, I'd give two shits. If I really believed they were a real health center for women and provided prenatal and mammogram services, I'd have no problem. But once again, they, they provide none of that. They illegally distribute 776,000 morning after pills. They abort 328,000 babies a year, all under the auspice of being women's reproductive rights. And they only actually refer 2,800 for adoption, whereas our country, because of liberal love of killing babies, makes every adoption service have to advertise like they're an evil tobacco industry, abortion services in their area. 
I tweeted, I would be happy to see the $500 million go to a non-political entity and be actually used for women's health. I hate to restate the fact, $500 million of our tax monies go to that organization and $50 million of it funnel back to Democratic campaigns. Mic drop. To our media mash, Andrew Mitchell being a hack is a badge of honor. CBS, Trump overseas, didn't uphold liberal values, which they call American values. MSDNC has a new promo. Love of the Constitution is why they're so biased. Today's show, who do we believe, Trump or Putin? Lemon accuses Trump of not defending America. What the fuck over? And that transphobic Katie Turr smears Trump as they say, with a vengeance on a liberal site. At a joint press conference, his first on the world stage, with Poland's president, Mr. Trump returned to form, slamming the media. They have been fake news for a long time. They've been covering me in a very, uh, very dishonest way. Do you have that also, by the way, Mr. President? With CNN and, and others, I mean, I know this, NBC is equally as bad. Uh, despite the fact that I made him a fortune with The Apprentice. Badge of honor. Let's get the inside scoop from Ruth Marcus, Washington Post deputy editorial page editor and columnist, and Jonathan Capehart, Washington Post opinion writer and MSNBC contributor. I mean, here he is standing next to the Polish president who is trying to crack down on free press and (laughs) criticizing the press. And you have that problem, too. Yes, I have that problem. Let's all commiserate about it, the horrors of a free press. Earlier, Mr. Trump met with the Polish president, Andrzej Duda, whose government has been criticized in some quarters of Europe for limiting press freedom and judicial independence. And in a nation where press freedoms are in flux, the president eagerly criticized the U.S. media and former President Obama. American presidents traveling abroad typically uphold American values such as press freedom and the institution of the presidency. Mr. Trump, for his own reasons, did not. Jeff? Tough on the administration. Why would he do something so catastrophic in terms of our security? Love for the Constitution. We can thank the Founding Fathers for their wisdom. Tough on secrecy. There continues to be a whole lot of smoke. Love for democracy. So far, it is us as American citizens. It is us in the press who are connecting the dots on this story. Tough Love, administered nightly, weeknights 7 to 11 on MSNBC. Playing off these tweets from the president, basically backing up Rex Tillerson's account in the New York Times this morning of that meeting, saying Trump went in, it was the first thing he talked about. He pressed Putin on whether or not there was meddling. He said, quote, did you do this? It was described by the Tillerson camp as a heated exchange. That's one description of that meeting. The other side coming from Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, who came out of the meeting and said, well, actually, President Trump sort of accepted our position that we didn't do anything and, in fact, complained that his opponents had been exaggerating the issue. So what are we to believe without an independent confirmation of either? I think the President Trump's tweet just now says it all, Willie. He said, I've already given my opinion, and we know the opinion he gave 24 hours before meeting uh, Vladimir Putin while in Poland when he said it could have been Russia, could have been somebody else, uh, and then questioning the intelligence community, bringing up the, uh, the no WMDs in Iraq uh, 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 controversy. So. I think we know his stance, and he just made it clear. I've already given my opinion. He didn't restate it, but we know what his opinion is. So 
The question is whether how many Republicans in Capitol Hill are comfortable with the idea of let's move forward. That was Tillerson's message. That now is President Trump's message. Can you just move forward with Russia without doing a severe punishment over what they did in 2016? The Trump administration would like to. The question is, will the rest of the Republican Party go along with it? Back to my original question. Wasn't this, shouldn't the president be there on foreign soil defending the United States, defending a free press, instead of taking something that is local here to the United States and bringing it across the shore to foreign soil and having all of our allies and our enemies um, being able to see what, what kind of controversy we're having here. Shouldn't he be defending America and the press? We turn now to the political drama out of Europe involving the president. Tomorrow, Mr. Trump meets with Vladimir Putin. Take a guess at which one of them today was calling American press outlets fake news while sowing doubts about the American intelligence on Russian hacking and questioning President Obama's motives. It may sound surreal. After all, this is an American president we're talking about on the world stage, not Putin. He did nothing about it. While it is fair to debate whether or not President Obama did enough, it is false to say he did nothing. A month before the election, the intelligence community and the Department of Homeland Security told the public that the Russian government, quote, directed the hacks targeting U.S. persons and institutions. After the election, President Obama sanctioned Russia, seized compounds, and expelled diplomats. But, to be fair, President Trump today also chided Russia for its destabilization in the Ukraine. He reaffirmed, reaffirmed the United States' commitment to NATO, and he touted the value of free expression. But which version of the American president do you believe, if you can fully believe either in the first place? You know, I ask all you uh, liberals out there who listen to the show, the people in San Francisco, San Jose, um, Oregon, if we didn't have a biased media to the left, which you say all the time, why is every major news agency in print coming up with democracy dies in the dark? We love the Constitution. You know, for eight years, you didn't give a fuck about the Constitution while Obama was wiping his ass with it, going around the Constitution. The Paris Climate Agreement was never ratified. That's why Trump could get rid of it. You cry about Trump's immigration restrictions not a ban, it's not permanent, but that's how the media covers it, a Muslim ban. Yet it was okay for the President of the United States to dictate to all schools in the country you must have transgender bathrooms. Which brings me to things I missed in my last podcast, because I don't want to be hypocritical, so I'm covering it in my hypocrisy. <clears throat> Somehow, some way, when I downloaded the Marine Gunner story, or video for the last podcast, it was a goddamn drug commercial. <laughs> and I apologize for that. I am not by any means supporting any drug companies. And I have no idea what that drug even does. I don't know how it got there. It was supposed to be Marine Gunner Talks About Magazine. And it was promoting a drug. Secondly, I forgot to talk about my story. And it goes in line with Katie Turr, who's transphobic of her father. Um, technically, I mean, she's not going to be called that by the media, but she is. 
I was talking to a young lady at my work, and she was waiting for an event to happen that had nothing to do with the place I work at. It was just a private event. And we came up on the conversation of gay drama. She was talking about a gentleman that we both knew, and I, you know, I didn't say it that way. She did. And of course, I just said, well, most gay men that I've ever worked with have kind of a chip on the shoulder because of life in general. And, you know, they probably have had times where they've been treated poorly by people or whatever. And so they kind of over try to prove themselves. Uh, that's, that's my experience, uh, from the army to, uh, retail for 12 years. That, that's what I witnessed. All right, um, they're little, they're little bitter. She then went into the transgender stuff, and it didn't matter how many times I showed her the actual Harvard study about eighty percent go back to the original sex. She didn't want to acknowledge that eighty percent of the GLAD surveys that were ever done on this subject didn't report back. She didn't want to acknowledge that GLAD sent all the data or the people for the data for the Supreme Court case that actually approved gay marriage and that within that, 80% of the respondents never finished the survey. She didn't want to understand that as you suppress hormones on little children, you're technically, eventually, if it goes on long enough, you're going to sterilize those kids. She was married to a transgender girl who became a guy. They were going through a divorce. She said she's been followed through stores and called hateful names and things I've never witnessed, ever, ever. Because this is all happening at a Walmart, she's saying. And I thought it was apropos of the agenda that is our, our country. It doesn't matter about facts. They have been able to get away with lying for so goddamn long that you just... You know, facts don't get in their way. They're going to keep pushing on and pushing on with the agenda that every time they walk down the street, somebody's threatening to kill them. And that it's so imperative little kids take a dump next to each other so we can push this agenda. And I closed with the simple concept, if this was a real thing, then why the hell are all the states passing laws against it? They get, you know, boycotted, but who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Federal government should not be dictating any of this crap. So, those are the two things I missed. Moving on. Are you kidding? New York Times paints CNN as objective versus ideological Fox. I love this article. The New York Times on Thursday hyped CNN President Jeff Zucker as a man leading the network against the leader of the free world. But don't get the impression that's a bad thing. No readers are told... That CNN stands apart from networks with an ideological bent in primetime. Clearly the victim in all this is the cable network. Writer Michael M. Grimbaum sympathized with CNN in its battle against Republican president. The onslaught has contributed to a foxhole-like mentality inside CNN's offices where security measures have been tightened and some hosts have considered abandoning their social media accounts because of the abuse. Grimbaum continued... One challenge Mr. Zucker has thought about safety. The level of threats against CNN employees, he said, has spiked this year. Mr. Trump, he said, has caused us to have, a take ste- have to take steps that you wouldn't think would be necessary because of the action of the President of the United States. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so who's taking credit for the guys shooting Republicans? 
Oh, wait a minute. That was Trump's fault, too. Okay. Despite all this, New York Times journalists want you to believe that CNN is right down the middle. CNN has recently placed third in weekday primetime behind the more ideological-driven coverage of Fox News and MSDNC. According to Zucker in the Times, television is his preferred medium, Mr. Zucker said. Asked why the president has zeroed on his network. And he knows our viewers can be swayed because they're not watching Fox or MSDNC. So if they were doing so good, why the fuck are they in last place is the question I'm asking. Hmm. Okay. Despite liberal anchors like Don Lemon and Anderson Cooper, it's others who are biased. Of course, now that Zucker is a heroic liberal figure fighting Trump, there is no need to mention that CNN cultivated the 2016 candidates' rise, something that the Times managed to remember back in April for a long New York Times story. CNN was the first major news organization to give Trump campaign prolonged and sustained attention. If that doesn't sum up hypocrisy, I do not know. Without a bumper, we're going to stats of the day. Trump donates first presidential paycheck a 78K to preserve Antietam Battlefield. Be repairing a doggone building. Didn't see that in the media a whole lot, that he's still not taking a paycheck? Interesting. Malaysia, Indonesia Muslim groups call for Starbucks boycott, and they're boycotting it because of their gay agenda. Tony Reed is right. Once again, those liberal views. That's why they hate us. Dan Levine, breaking night certain, denies Hawaii request to narrow Trump travel ban. Says it doesn't have jurisdiction to act on the request. Both District Court and the Ninth Circuit have now declined to clarify SCOTUS travel ban order. Hawaii will have to go back to SCOTUS if he wants. He also posted the ruling, which flat out tells both liberal courts to get bent. Get the fuck bent. You have no jurisdiction over this. You never had jurisdiction over this. And that it was allowed to go this long is unbelievable and totally hypocritical because Barack Hussein Obama did all sorts of unconstitutional shit and nobody let it go this far. Fake ratings, networks dishonorably inflate evening news numbers by misspelling. Now we know that advertisers and the public are being supplied fake ratings by the same broadcasters who so often deliver fake news. A Thursday morning Wall Street Journal dispatch by Joe Flint reports that the broadcast networks routinely inflate their reporting evening news audience. They hide low-performing evening audiences by, get this, forgetting how to spell. No wonder the networks are so obsessed with hacking. In the ratings game... What could be described as a form of it, modifying the results generated by a computer program in a skillful or clever way has become a routine industry practice. In TV rating game, networks try to disguise, and they spell that really wrong, bad news from Nielsen. They misspell shows to fool the firm's automated system into ignoring broadcasts on nights with few viewers. NBC Nightly News is spelled N-I-T-L-Y. In a game largely sanctioned by TV rating firm Nielsen, television networks try to hide their show's poor performance. That explains the appearance of NBC Nightly News, which apparently aired on Friday of Memorial Day weekend this year when a lot of people were away from the TVs. 
The retitling of the NBC Nightly News, spelled correctly, fooled Nielsen's automated system, which enlisted Nightly as a separate show. Hiding the May 26th program for the Nielsen dramatically improved the show's average viewership. Instead of falling further behind, first place rival ABC World News Tonight, NBC News narrowed the gap. Walt Disney Company's ABC declined to comment. The network, though, groused last month when NBC News intentionally misspelled an entire week of Nightly News, spelling it N-I-T-E-L-Y instead of N-I-G-H-T-L-Y. Yeah. I was a Nielsen for a while, but they didn't. you have to start out with paper and then you get to go to the box and I gave up. Ari Fleischer, the front page of today's London Daily Telegraph. Welcome to what single pair is really like. Story says the British system is at the breaking point with pages increasingly giving up their, re- their search for help. This is from the Telegraph. Not the Daily Caller. Not Breibart. Not Faux News. Listen, liberals. I've been saying it for a damn year plus. Because I'm on single pair. I have TRICARE. It's effing horrible. One million patients a week cannot get a GP appointment statistics show. Doctors said they're working flat out, but under unsustainable pressure, leaving worrying numbers of patients without any help. The NHS figures show the number waiting at least a week to see their GP has risen by 56% in five years, with one in five now waiting this long. The pressure left 11.3% of patients unable to get an appointment at all, a 27% rise since 2012. This amounts to around 47 million occasions on which patients attempted but failed to secure help from the general practitioner, forcing them to give up, try again later, or turn to accident or emergency departments. Rising number of patients struggled to even get through on the phone, with 27.8% of those polled citing difficulties compared with 18% in 2012. Patient groups last night said the situation was frightening, putting the vulnerable at grave risk of ending up in a hospital for what want of basic care. The survey of more than 800,000 patients, which is held annually, found worsening access to family doctors across the range of measurements. Hmm. Isn't that what I said? I have never called and got an appointment that week. Understand under TRICARE, which would be pretty much the basis for Medicare for all, I call, they tell me, well, we're working on three weeks from now, but it's all booked, you'll have to call back next week. Which turns into me calling every day to see if somebody drops out. When they drop out, I can get their appointment. That's for basic shit. Like renewing my blood pressure pills. Having pneumonia. One time for pneumonia, I had to wait two weeks. Went to an emergency room first. That's single pair. The Charlie Grouse or Guard or whatever the hell that baby is, is another key element. You guys keep on talking and that this is a right for all. We all deserve it. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You'll get it. And it will suck. So we're going to go to a music break. Once we come off the music break, I'm going to play the noose again. I am so stuck on this song by Perfect Circle. Um, love this song. You're going to hear an intro soundbite. Of A&E's Live PD. And just wait for what you're about to hear. (laughs) 
More.
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. You ain't gonna be on TV. I don't really think this is TV worthy. So don't even get your hopes amped up for nothing. You being detained, you're not under arrest, all right? You got weed, you got open container. You riding with the baby in the car with an open container of beer and it smell like weed? Come on, dude. Yes or no? I don't understand head shakes, head nods, yes or no. Nobody wants to talk, of course, when they're doing stupid stuff. So if they want to play stupid, I guess I'll play stupid, too. There's some things you can be lenient on, and some things you you got to do your job, and you got to do it well. Because when you put somebody's life in danger who can't defend themselves and can't protect themselves, that's when all bets are off. Do you have anything in there? Yes, no, maybe so. Show me your hands. Show me your hands. I wouldn't be surprised if he took off. I didn't know y'all was topping me. I made the turn. You didn't realize that's like the first six miles we're still going after you? Yeah. Look, man. Can you? How many cars you see over there? Trucks, I dog on 20 of y'all. It's a good bit. Yeah, that's but I, that don't. You think we was going for somebody else behind you? Is that your truck? Yeah, that's my truck. That was a nice truck, that's man. Brand new tires and all. Not no more. One of them didn't have a tire on it. What made y'all pull in here? Well, we were coming looking for a little home girl. There. Okay, y'all trying to find a chick, yeah. little breezy. Yeah, take it to the crib. To the grill. Oh yeah, y'all gonna get her, huh? Yeah, well, yeah, I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> I ain't no need to lie. We was going back. You never been in trouble before, man. Yeah. I ain't gonna touch your pants. Did you? Did you do do in your pants, or did you just pass gas? You sure? All right, man. All right, that soundbite was of Kevin Lawrence. He is a sheriff with the Richland County Sheriff's Department in South Kakalaki, Columbia. It's right by Columbia. I was actually stationed there back in the 90s as a drill instructor. And when I lived there, there was already a lot of crime. Um, there was just a shitload. I, I unfortunately found a really nice house. We moved out to said house. Didn't realize we were living in a very crime-infested area called Quail Creek. It was back in Richland County by a high school and... We ended up moving on post and then moving back out there, and we finished there. And, you know, to show the the demographics, and I mean this not racially, we were the only white family in the neighborhood. Um, it was predominantly African-American. And it took a long time 
for anybody to even talk to us. It was quite obvious when we moved in, and, and this is not saying anything about African-Americans because forever it's been white people that have been pissed off because black people moved in the neighborhood. You could tell, oh, there goes the neighborhood. Some white people showed up, and, and it took a while for people to finally talk to me. Um, I remember we were there a year in the first house, and Christmas came. I forgot bat, bat, batteries. It's a funny story I always talk about. I go in the backyard to go get my 67 Chevy pickup because the uh, driveway was on the backyard. And I'm in PJs. Like I said, the only time I'm going to dress inappropriate in public and wear PJs out is on Christmas morning if you need batteries. I'm going to the truck, and I was feeding the dog, and this tree talked to me. Well, it wasn't a tree. It was a six foot four African-American man, and all I could see was his eyes in the dark. Nicest guy in the world. We're still friends, but he scared the living shit out of me because I thought he was a tree. I mean, he was the biggest dude I'd ever stood next to um, until I met some W, you know, some WW, no, uh, UFC fighters. Um, that was the, the biggest man I'd ever talked to. But he started talking to me, and then other people talked, and we did some shrimp boils and stuff. And it was fine, but, you know, it was funny for me, Lily White dude, never been to the South. And, and of course, right off the bat, I realized... Yeah, every race has got problem with other races. And uh, back to the story. But the fact is, is Kevin Lawrence is a great officer. Him and his buddy Mastriani uh, really make the show interesting. I have never been a cop fan. Um, I never liked cops. My wife watched it religiously. But this came on in basically five different departments from Arizona to Washington to Maryland to two in South Carolina, Greenville and Lawrence and uh, Richland County. And... It's very interesting. I mean, it made me realize that I'm riding dirty because I have, uh, you know, pain management. And I'll carry my daily pills because I work in a place where people could get in my bag and steal stuff. And I've had pills stolen while I've been on uh, pain management and retail stores. So, you know, I carry my little, my whatever pills I'm taking to work for that day. I put them in a little container in my pocket. And now, watching this show, I carry a prescription bottle with me. Uh, because you just don't understand how many headlights lead to mugs getting, writing dirty charges, which is what this show talks about all the time. But um, to break it down, from DUI checkpoint stops to high-speed chases, bar fights, to gang shootings, domestic disputes, to drug bust, A&E's documentary series, Live PD, captures it all. As a debate over policing in America continues to be part of the daily conversation across the nation, no it doesn't. It does for liberals, but for everybody else, we're really glad they're out there. Live PD viewers get unfettered and unfiltered live access inside a variety of countries' busiest police forces, both urban and rural in the communities they patrol on a typical night. Viewers are encouraged to post their comments about what they witnessed throughout the night on Facebook and Twitter. In-studio host ABC's Dan Abrams, alongside co-host Tom Morrison, Guide viewers through the night, giving insights to which what audience see in real time via a mix of dash cams, fixed rig, and handheld cameras, bouncing minute by minute between the featuring police departments and offering an inside look at each live incident. Nine times out of ten, you would be very surprised on what you see. Um, I've been watching this for two months. I think everybody who's a BLM person should watch the show. It is done by a liberal. Dan Abrams was the president of freaking MSDNC back in the day. He's the one that started twisting him to full lib all the time. He's the creator of Mediate, 
which by the way I realize this weekend I am banned from. I still can't find what I said. I think I talked about about Chuck Toad, and that was it. They banned me. I can't even comment on there, and I didn't even know I was banned because I haven't talked on there for like four years. But long story short, this show will show you why there are incidents with police and citizens. You will see how many people fight the police, run from the police, put their hands in their pockets while they're struggling with police, which makes police wonder what the hell are you grabbing for. Now, every incident I've seen on this has been somebody trying to dispose of their drugs that they're carrying. None of this leads to me as a person who respects the police to think, that they are picking on African Americans. The demographics of Richland County, South Carolina, Columbia County, South Carolina, there is a preponderance of African Americans. So these have to be the people getting apprehended at this point in time, getting pulled over, and they're getting found to have drugs. From people that dress like they're a gangster to normal citizens, in this case, they're caught. But just as many white people are doing the same thing and getting caught. What I have, not to be racial, been very surprised about, and it's hard not to do it from the racial scope, I cannot believe how many African Americans run from the police do just stupid shit because they fear they have a warrant. I mean, 80% of the cases of chases have been in Richland County with African Americans running, and all they ever say is, I thought I had a warrant. One dude was on a bike someplace else. He did 130 miles an hour because he didn't have a license. So instead of just getting a ticket, he went to jail. But I fear that this show, instead of showing people that this isn't about black and white, this isn't about race, because every police department is composed of every race, from Latino, black, white, female, lesbian, gay, they're all in there. I fear the BLM protesters and those that think the police are horrible are going to see, well, that's why. See, they pick on black people. They're, they're not pulling them over because they're black. They're pulling them over because they broke the law. And to say it doesn't happen to everybody is bullshit. I got pulled over all the time in my last job. They didn't give a fuck because my skin was white. I was speeding. I did an illegal stop. I didn't turn on my turn signal. My headline was out. But the difference was, when they came in, there was no smell of alcohol. There was no smell of drugs. There wasn't drug paraphernalia on my front seat. So they didn't sick a drug dog on me and rip my my crotch apart trying to find drugs. Every time on this show, they have done a search on a car. There was probable cause. Because they opened the window of the car and they smelled weed. And by the time this thing was over, the individual being apprehended admitted to smoking weed in their car. Which is one of the things that I just don't understand watching this. How many people, white, black, pink, tutti frutti, it's not a race issue. It's a fucking moron issue. Why would you smoke weed in your car? Why? Cops are in public, they're not in your house. Smoke your weed at the house, not while you're driving. But that usually ends up getting them frick search, have a dog go through the car, and 
In one of the cases, they found 80 pounds of weed in this dude's car. And he was running for the police. He was an illegal immigrant. He didn't have a driver's license. He crashed his car. He's just a fuck up. And it always kind of makes you realize they never capture the smart ones. It's always the stupid ones to get caught. But to the incident that I'm talking about and why I'm covering this, because it's a great show. You should watch it. Fridays and Saturdays, three hours each day. I was about to fall asleep. Like I said, I took a sleeping pill. This scene started. The anger I felt at the end of this scene was something I haven't felt in a long time. The anger I felt with African American crowd who were trying to gin it up to be more than what it was or a race thing when there's a fucking black officer standing right there apprehending the guy. Not initially. It was a white guy, but a black guy was there. That they didn't help whatsoever. And I'll explain that in a second. Not with the cop. I know they're not going to help the cop. They would kill the cop if they could. At least this crowd would. I'm not saying that generally about all African Americans. I'm just saying this crowd was pretty angry. There was another There was another part to this. That they did nothing about. An AE&E producer had to take care of it. Which just disappointed me. And when it's all said and done, reading the Twitter comments and seeing what people said just made me realize it's not about cops. It's about an agenda. A sect of our country, liberals, just want to make it a racial issue. And then they have brainwashed people to be fucking dumb as shit. Because after I break down, I'm going to play this. It's not as... Um, shocking as if you watch the video, but I'm going to play the whole scene and then I'm going to tell you what you just witnessed. That's still in my myself coming up on me.
way more shocking than what you just heard. But I want you to understand. He left a party where 200 people got out of control and the house owners had called the police numerous times. Shots were fired. And as the the police department was trying to marshal enough deputies, they only had four deputies against 200. It wasn't safe for them to go in because things were getting out of control. This piece of shit after the shots were fired, jumped in his car and hauled ass. He drove six miles down a rural road through a downtown of it looked like a little town there, driving 90 miles an hour. He did this, the shooting, with his goddamn kid with him, two-year-old daughter, that daughter as we'll find by the end of this season this segment they go back to it they flip the car there was no car seat in the car this child wasn't even belted in when he jumps out the car he is shaking his girl like a rag doll and using her as a shield he struck the police with her and his fists until the cop struggling with him got because he's by himself Mastriani finally gets the baby girl on the ground, and then when you hear him, help me, he's trying to get somebody to take care of the poor girl, because now the girl's just sitting on the ground, he doesn't know if she's injured, because this fucking human piece of shit shook her so hard, that I thought she he, he broke something. He was literally just shaking her like a shield. He grabbed at his pants during the struggle. He ended up doing him a head and arm takedown. He's holding him there because the guy is going fucking crazy. Because as we find out, he's hopped up on drugs. He grabs in his pants, and I swear to God, this is like I said, numerous instances where I've just thought the cop's about to die on national TV. Because it seems like every piece of shit who resists the police puts his hands in his pockets. But he was grabbing weed, which he shoved in his mouth. 
By the time these other officers show up, and as you can tell by the soundbite, it took a while. Thirteen people were sitting there filming it. All of them African American. All of them talking shit. They then talk shit to a black officer. And that's when you heard him say, we'll talk later. There are 13 fucking pieces of shit also who did nothing about the poor little girl. They didn't walk forward try to grab her. They didn't try to take care of her. They didn't give a fuck. All they want to do is push another goddamn Fidel Castro, which turned out to be nothing burger. Michael Brown, nothing burger. Every one of these cases have been nothing. Once they flip the vehicle, boys and girls, 40 caliber Smith & Wesson casing and a bullet mushroomed fell out of the car. It wasn't in the street. It fell out of his car. During the six mile evasion of 90 miles an hour with an unsecured child while he was out thugging, he tossed it out of the car. They'll find that gun. So, it's hard for me, as a normal American, to understand why I am supposed to see this guy who promptly stood up and said, taking another black man down, while he's doing drugs with this child and driving, doing 90 miles an hour with a child that's not belted in, shooting fucking rounds, because there's no way a Smith & Wesson Smith and Wesson 40 caliber bullet just happens to show up in your fucking car if you didn't freaking shoot it, fighting, fighting the police, using your child as a human shield. How do I feel sorry for this guy who just did it all because he was riding dirty with drugs, had a gun, had just fired said gun, and he thought he had a warrant. So you endanger your kid, flip your car, and and he was on some kind of drugs. Because I've never seen anybody, you know, somebody said something in here, and I'll read the comment about how cops need to learn how to apprehend people. When people are crazy, they're really strong. And I've had some incidences in combat where we're trying to get POWs, and it's not easy, folks. It isn't like they just ball up and say, okay. But this psycho was screaming and crying because somehow in his brain, he thought if he got to his grandma's house or his mother's house and handed over the baby, everything was going to be okie-dokie. But my question as a parent, as a human being, take the race out of it because this country won't do that. It's always about race. As a human being, how could you do this shit with your kid? How could you go out and go to a party and shoot guns and do drugs and evade the police with your baby daughter? And yes, he showed remorse after the fact. How, how do you do those things? And then claim you're the victim and have 13 people just because you're the same color as that person go, oh, that's okie dokie. He's a victim. No, he's not. He's a piece of fucking shit. So stories came up 
Richland County, South Carolina. A driver fights Richland deputy while holding toddler after crash. A man led Richland County deputies on a chase to speeds of more than 90 miles an hour, crashed his car, and fought with the deputy while holding a two-year-old girl, and it was all caught on live TV. The action unfolded on Live PD, a documentary series on A&E that follows law enforcement, blah, blah, blah. During Saturday's show, Deputy Page Freeze, Chris Mastriani is seen pursuing a small SUV down Monticello Road and onto North Main Street, telling dispatchers that he's reaching speeds of 75 and then 90 as a car whizzed past Interstate 20 and onto North Main Street. Mastriani follows a car on Elmore Street where it crashes and overturns. Phoenix Rising. At Chris Mastriani, gotta say, what you did in that situation with the child was amazing and brave. You're a true hero. A lot of that out there, folks. But a lot of racist people who just said he's another white man keeping a black man down. Don't you move, get on the ground, Mastriani shouts. The driver crawls out of the overturned car with a toddler in his arms. The barefoot man struggles with him while holding and at a time slinging the toddler around. He fights with Mastriani, repeatedly yells, that's your baby, let go of the baby. Mastriani eventually wrestles the man on the ground and gets him to let go of the little girl who stands up while the suspect continues to wrestle with Mastriani a few feet away. Deputy holds the suspect to the ground and calls for additional officers to help handcuff him. Moments later, after the man has been arrested, Mastriani is heard saying, it's okay, it's okay, I'm worried about her now. The camera then shows the deputy carrying the toddler, her head resting on his shoulder, a total stranger's shoulder. He then tweeted, thank you to everyone who has reached out to me with so much love and support about last night. It was a long night and everyone's safe. Dan Abrams, done a lot of live television, but tonight's live PD is definitely one of the most emotionally draining ever. Lieutenant Curtis Wilson said deputies respond around 9 p.m. to disturbance and a report of gunshots on the 100 block of Fir Road, Firwood Circle. The suspect, 22-year-old Brian Martin, Left the scene, prompting the high-speed chase. Mastriani did not know when the chase began. The child was in the car. Both Martin and the girl were taken to hospital observation. The two-year-old girl was turned over to a relative. Martin was taken to jail on charges of failure to stop. Salt while resisting arrest. Unlawful conduct towards a child. Driving under suspension, third offense, and simple possession marijuana. Unlawful conduct towards a child is a felony that carries up to 10 years in prison under South Carolina. Martin also faces up to a year in prison for assault charges. Another article, plenty of people are talking about Saturday night's episode of Live PD that showed a high-speed chase. The host of the show even called it emotionally draining. Richland County deputies say the suspect, Brian Martin, is facing a long list of charges. We listed Live PD, the A&E show that follows off the Richland County Sheriff's Department as they respond to incidents caught most of what happened on camera. Local news tweet. About as insane a scene as you'll ever see on TV. Evading police going 95 miles per hour. Flip car emerges holding his child. Unreal. Mediate. Live PD airs insane segment. It's all him. People's comments. Please, my baby. Not much concern for his baby when he drove his vehicle so recklessly to have flipped it. Then he rips it out of the vehicle like a rag doll and proceeds to tussle with the police. Barbara Cameron, I could care less what the color he was. All I saw was an innocent child being yanked out of out of the upside-down vehicle by her father. When they flipped the car back over, it was no car seat. The window was dark-tinted. The police had no idea the child was in there, but the father did. 
Dennis Lurvy, some radio broadcaster. We've seen cops shoot people for less. Having all the cameras there really helps. These police need better training on apprehension techniques, takedown techniques, de-escalation techniques. Maybe they would shoot fewer people if they weren't obese and knew how to take someone into custody. These police did good work, but it should have been easier with better training. Somebody goes, how many times do innocent people die because of police? 2014 was on the order of about 50 per year. But only a small number of the shootings, roughly 5% occur under the kind of circumstance that raised doubt and draw public outcry, according to an analyst by WAPO, a liberal site. Considering there are 11 million arrests a year, 50 is a very tiny number. To what I thought... TB5555, I was watching, I wanted to punch that worthless fuck in the face. Too bad I wasn't there with the cop, he rolled that car over and he's lucky that baby wasn't ejected. Then he's crying, my baby, you worthless piece of shit, you almost killed your kid. Pablo Dali, an African American, surprised the cops didn't shoot the guy and the kid. Then came, claimed both killings were justified. Triggered moon bats, Black Lives Matter. Interesting how the cop hater Dan Abrams works on a show where he kisses up to them. Mediate was a front center inciting the BLM riots. Mediate actually banned the noun thug for a couple days on these comment pages because they were so desperately trying to hold on to the anti-cop narrative that they kept pushing. The framers of the officer Darren Wilson, which failed miserably yet got the desired anger, violence, injured cops, arson, rioting, looting, cut fire hoses, and voting turnout. Then there were the racist white people. This is called complying with the police in the Obama holder world. Still hard to believe BLM was led by the poet. What a scumbag. He's the N-word. Everything up until the N-word is correct, but why did he use the N-word? And there were numerous posts that I couldn't find after, but initially were racist white people. But it seemed that scene... Other than a few roll down racial lines. Black people, it's the cops' fault. Surprised they didn't kill them. BLM. White people, Hispanic people, Indian people, Asian people. What a fucking piece of shit. And that saddened me. Now, every African American I know deal with, served with, their reaction was the same as mine. But there's a minority amongst African Americans see everything between white and black as a race issue, thanks to Barack Hussein Obama. That was his shtick. That's how he rolled himself into office twice. But I haven't felt felt that much anger in a long time. That guy was a piece of shit. And I see that every week. Every week, people who step out of the car and automatically say this is a black-white thing. My favorite was this same episode, two African-American females, college students. One saying, my mother's a lawyer, my brother's a cop, I'm not getting out of the car. But when they rolled down the window, they smelled marijuana. 
They said, you're illegally checking us. You're illegally searching us. But they had probable cause because of the smell. And they were pulled over for not having headlights. It was just a safety pullover. It would have been like the rest of us. Hey, you didn't get your goddamn lights fixed. I never once, when it's happened to me and it was a black cop, said, oh, you just pulled me over because I'm a white guy. But whatever. That's how they played it. By the time that thing was done, the driver went to jail for non-simple possession. She had an ounce of weed in her bag. And the other girl's going, well, I was talking that shit because I didn't think you had it. She goes, I had the wrong purse. But they had smoked weed in the car. I mean, what are you supposed to do as a cop? Oh, you're black, I just let you off? But every week we see that attitude. African Americans thinking every time, whether the cop's black, striped, it doesn't matter. This is all racial. Here's a fucking clue. This is what the rest of us do. Follow the fucking law. Pull the fuck over when they turn the lights on. Don't fight with the officer. I have ridden in cars with a gun on the front seat. Open carry. Nobody's ever shot me. I kept my hands on the steering wheel. I told them I had the gun. They didn't fuck with me. I got my speeding ticket or they pulled me out of the car. I've had searches on my car. They didn't find anything because I didn't have drugs in there. I had the one gun, no round in the chamber, just a magazine in, and they didn't fuck with me. Technically, it was against the law, but they didn't fuck with me because I did what the fuck they told me. I followed their instructions. But every week I watch the show, white, black, pink, it doesn't fucking matter. The people who believe this hype that was promoted by POTUS and the media... That it's all a race thing. They end up in jail. They resist arrest. They evade the police. They endanger other people. This fucking piece of shit drove around cars to the right through ditches. Three cars had to pull off the fucking road and they could have got killed. Which makes me think to people, why would you, why wouldn't you be mad at a person that did that? They endangered all these other people. And the baby, he wants to cry about the baby. He endangered his own daughter. I watched it the next day and almost started crying. I was so angry that you would do that to a child. And that that child would accept the embrace of a white guy. Because you traumatized her so much. It's a sad state of what our country's become because of a political party. And I say that not for hyperbole. I don't say that because I'm a Republican, because I'm not. I say it because it's a fact. The Democrats and their media handlers have brainwashed a whole generation of minorities, whites, young people, predominantly, to believe the cops are bad, everybody's bad. And then you have Vox and Ezra Klein. Anybody who works for the government can't be trusted because we don't like Trump and we want to win back the White House. This shit has consequences. And I'm going to pin it on you when you fucking do this sorry-ass shit just for politics. If Republicans got away with half the shit the Democrats do, It would be a shock.
but they're not the ones out there telling you, be afraid of black people, they're thugs. That's the inverse of be afraid of police. You'll twist all Trump's words to mean that, but that's not what he ever said. When he said, I'm going to deport the Mexican rapists and criminals who've done illegal things. I played it on the show. He never said all Mexicans. He said the criminals. To date, he has deported less than Barack Hussein Obama did. And to date, he's promoted, deported the same fucking people that Barack Hussein Obama did. Criminals. But yet we have cities like Nashville that are just going to say, fuck it. Criminal or not, we're going to leave them in here because we don't like Trump. Shame on you all. All of you. To a music break and news, social media nuggets.
At the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. Stop. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Corner, and that's the sound of freedom, B-1 bomber. That's actually from an air show, but U.S. bombers carry out exercise in South Korea and show a force to the north. Seoul, Korea, two U.S. B-1 bombers and American and South Korean fighter jets on Friday conducted an exercise that include practice attacking capabilities at a training range and a show of force to North Korea the day after they did another ballistic missile test. Pacific Command said Lancer bombers took off from an airbase in Guam and practice attack capabilities 
by releasing inert weapons on the Pilsung Range. The Pilsung Range is well inside South Korea territory, but local media reported that the bombers also flew close to the demilitarized zone, separating the two countries, although they did not enter the zone or cross any demarcation line. North Korea's actions are a threat to our allies, partners, and homeland. Pacific Air Force's Commander General Terrence O. Shaseni. Sean Nessie, I can't say his name, that's a cool ass name, said in a statement, let me be clear, if called upon, we are trained, equipped, and ready to unleash the full, lethal capabilities of our allied air forces. Two U.S. officials said the show of force was intended to send a clear message to North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un, keep playing fuck fuck goose, we're going to bring some shit on you. It's getting serious, war in Korea ain't no joke. Just all you libs out there understand the following word, draft. Yeah, you'll get drafted for that one. Military plane over Rock Hill rattles neighborhood. A mysterious sight flew over Rock Hill Wednesday night. A military plane coming in so low it rattled windows in several neighborhoods. Neighbors who live near the small York County airport said the plane circled overhead at least three times. Rock Hill City officials explained later it was a military plane from Charleston Air Force Base doing practice drills. But the people who saw it said it was unlike anything they'd ever seen. I thought it was actually an earthquake. The house shook so bad, said Jennifer Baldwin. The house starts shaking, windows rattles, dog barking, Baldwin said. I thought, well, maybe he's trying to land. And I thought, of course, the worst of worst always goes through our mind, and you think maybe he's going to crash. The plane barely skimmed trees and tore between neighborhoods for many. It was far too close. For comfort, I had a sound for it, but I'm not gonna. This is pretty great. Marine's hat blows off in the wind. POTUS retrieves. Hat flies off again. POTUS retrieves again. This is nice. Also, kudos to the soldier standing attention was a tweet. Even I'll admit that was a nice gesture. A anti-Trump person said. But a reporter, Rupert Myers, forget the sexual assault bragging, the mocking of the disabled, because he picked up a guy's hat. And to you, Rupert Myers, thank you for proving my point that our media is just one steaming pile of DNC talking points. All right, to the regular crazy stuff. And to the world warning, watch biggest explosion ever on moon as NASA warns we could be next. A meteor with the explosive power of 10 cruise missiles has struck the moon, sparking a massive explosion visible with the naked eye. And terrifyingly, the 56,000-mile-per-hour collision captured by NASA scientists highlighting the catastrophic nature of planet Earth when it gets hit by similar meteors. It was an 88-pound rock. That's what hit the moon. Despite the meteor's tiny proportion, about the size of a small boulder and the weight of an average 10-year-old boy, the impact damage was colossal, and the explosion shone with the brightness of a magnitude 4 star. I always gotta have a Trekkie thing here, because I'm a space geek. Maine woman celebrates 100th birthday, says wine is secret to longevity. Anger, Maine. Florence Burst celebrated her 100th birthday in Bangor Thursday. Known for a no-nonsense attitude and sense of humor at the Westgate Center for Rehabilitation, Florence did not shy away from sharing her secret. Wine. I like my wine. Don't take it away from me, she said. (laughs) The people have taken me, I think. They understand me that I'm crazy. She she joked. (laughs) Woo! 
And to another joke, vegan cafe patrons creeped out by naked babies running wild. Customers spied some mighty weird stuff at Imagine Vegan Cafe. Their internet's full of reports of children going ham in restaurants, but in most cases the rowdy kids belong to the customers, not the proprietors. Perhaps that's why Imagine Vegan Cafe in Memphis, Tennessee is attracting so much attention on social media right now. Earlier this week, a customer wrote a review of the small restaurant that mentions a naked baby running around in the dining room, showing off its butthole, Chelsea Bartley. On the reel, I eat here all the time. I still probably will because I like to go out there. There are few options available to me, but y'all listen. During my visit, a bare-butt naked baby was running around, stood up on a table with its black, they're so dirty feet and bent over to show me it's butthole. I wish I was exaggerating. This is like when I'm eating and it's the owner kid. An older kid came over and started like yodeling and staring at me during my meal. I was so uncomfortable. Like I get in a family establishment, kids do weird things, but naked baby was running around for 15 minutes. All the workers start, stared. Are just, they're just standing around side by side talking and laughing over it. And for my food, I can heat my Tofurky sausages as well in under half the time. Hmm. Another one. <clears throat> I'm about to start out calling out names and pictures of people who leave us bad reviews, especially when it deals with our children. You will no longer be allowed to come and dine and imagine, especially when you lie about our babies. The owner also explained, we're starting with Chelsea Bartley, and as further warning, haters are not welcome at Imagine. So they respond to it. Absolutely, Wes, but buttholes are completely different. If a one-year-old baby was upside down on a table, showing everyone with a butthole, I don't think that the biggest problem I would be wondering why no one grabbed the one-year-old baby off the table. If she were in fact on top of the table, do grown adults just sit around and wait for her to fall? If that were me, I would instantly grab the adult or grab the baby before they fall. This, again, proves it's just drama. Um, and there, this was their reply to her. I am about to start calling out names and pictures of people who leave us bad reviews. You will no longer be allowed, especially when you lie about our babies. Blah, 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 blah. Chelsea Barley, for anyone who reads this and instantly is scared, this might affect our business. I cannot begin to tell you how much we do not care. Haters are not welcome at Imagine. Hey, everyone. Just letting you all know that Adam's grandmother passed away and Imagine will be closing. Octave tweets. Meanwhile, in Memphis, a vegan cafe is losing mind on Facebook because the Yelp reviewers said the owner's kids showed them their butthole. <laughs> so they try to spin. These are my children she's talking about. She's complaining about her five-year-old coming over and talking to her and our 21-month-old. I understand your point, but if you are uncomfortable with a naked baby, then do not come to our restaurant. Periodically, she will not have a diaper on. And that's life. And this just sums up this whole sect of people. I'm sorry. I don't think it's cool to have naked baby butthole next to my tofurkey sausage. I'm with the lady. I mean, get a grip. Emma Stone compares Billie Jean King to Hillary. Those parallels make sense to me. Oh, do they really? Emma Stone, set to play lesbian tennis star Billie Jean King in a film, Battle of Sexes, compares King to Hillary Clinton. Let's uh, try to get into the match. Da, da, da. It was very interesting to see this guy, this narcissistic, self-focused, constantly stirring the pot kind of guy against this incredible qualified woman. Obviously, the way this has all panned out has been fascinating and horrifying, and it'll make me feel like we're in a bad dream, but those parallels make sense to me. She then added, Hillary Clinton seemed as though she had a legitimate shot at winning her own battle with sexism and becoming the first female president of the United States, but then Donald Trump became president. 
because ESPN not standing politics is very different than sports. And that was actually on an ESPN article. Get up. Just shut up. Alt-left insanity. Gender confusion replaces pronouns with anti-nouns. Note, normal people might find some of this offensive. We hope, dear Lord, please. If you like your pronouns, you can keep your pronouns. Well, you could, but not any longer. Now you must use whatever pronoun somebody else wants. We are now all supposed to guess white might want to be thought of as another gender or act like idiots and ask gender pronouns of everyone we meet. Perhaps we need a database readily accessible for, from our phones, a list of all the new gender possibilities. It's a large one. It's now up to 36. And then you can run down the list every time you meet someone new. Hello, possibly human person. Do you consider yourself a he, she, it, zer? There are some other made-up words to express your inner issue. Gosh, I wish I was joking, but new pronouns are all the range. DC, which stands for District Columbia, not the opposite of AC, is now issuing, issuing genderless driver license. CNN reported June 28th they would become the first people in the United States to choose X as their gender marker instead of male or female or driver's license identification cards. X, as we all learned in movies, marks the spot, in this case the spot, that is the most gender insane in the U.S. Lefty media love this craziness. Oh, May on May 31st, AP released his 2017 style book. The new style book contains changes on the language used around gender, LGBTQ people, and they as singular gender neutral pronouns. Wrote the Washington Blade. City Lab gave readers a guide by using gender neutral pronouns way back in 2015. Rule number one: Don't assume you know someone's gender just by looking at them. For timelines, there's an eight-month-old Canadian baby with no official gender. Let's look at the loons from Jezebel to explain how ins- insane this is. The baby named Cyril Alti Dottie was born in November. We already covered this. One of the baby's parents, Cordy Dottie, non-binary, blah, blah, blah. Discover their own gender. We covered it last month. And now the lefty woman's site, Refinery29, explains the easiest way to know if someone prefers to be called he, she, or they, that is another one, which I did not know that was part of the video feature Trans 102. The video is important to watch because governments in New York and Canada are working on making misgendering someone a crime. Yep, the lefty governments are that determined, and the alt-left can't even agree on how many genders there are. New York's 31, or Facebook's 58. I saw 37 days. I mean, I don't even know anymore. Or some other number bigger than a bread box. The Refinery29 video had several people on various genders telling you about gender... The terms, one person in the video kicks it off by saying, now a lot of us get confused, but what to call us? We then have several spokesmen here, including a trans woman, trans guy, and a trans person. Trans, we are told, is an adjective, not a noun. There are no transgenders here, but there are in media. Do journalists go to jail over this? It's also almost as simple as trying to figure out what stupid things CNN will do next, which takes us to the rest of our column. Here are other ones. Your student loan could destroy America. No, I'm not joking. The actual alternate headline says how the student loan industry is helping Trump destroy American democracy. The subhead's worse. Student loan servicers are engaged in economic terrorism, and Devos is only making it worse. Economic terrorism. You want to go to college, you get a loan. That's terrorism. Why don't any of these people get mad at the institutions that charge so much damn money? Seriously. Another one. Your feminist, sex-positive, naughty bits are art. Leave it to HuffPo to highlight the lefty nature of strange nude photos. Hint. 
This story is strictly not safe for worse. Don't blame me if someone yells at you at work. HuffPost profile photographer Marie Tomanananoff with a subhead claiming her nude photo shows no parts are inherently taboo. Nothing is ever taboo to the alt-left. Actual, quote, Tomanoma's photographs are the first thing viewers see when entering the Museum of Sex current exhibition. Not safe for work, female gaze. Compromised entirely of erotic work by emerging female identifying artists. There's a lot. The Museum of Sex and Feminine Female Identity Artist. This is one of those stories that are internet internet version of stupid. Bohemian poetry at 60's coffee house. The content is so silly that you can just imagine the author trying to pretend it was significant. Actual quote too. Even amid the recent surge in artwork with a sex positive and feminist bent, Tobinov's work feels especially raw, strange, and transgressive. This is almost a cross between Mad Men and Mad Magazine. What happens when the covert desire of the male gaze are laid bare and served raw? I think in this case, they do what many of the people in the museum apparently did. They giggle. Remember, when art was artistic, not just shockingly, apparently few in the alt-left do. So the photos in this were basically just Madonna type shit, snakes in the coochie, guys dressed like girls. I, I don't and understand. We probably paid for that too. Some federal grant went to it. I, I'm almost positive we did, and I don't understand it. Another one: No black person is safe in America. Yeah, it kind of goes with our segment today. There's almost always bizarre stuff buried in the middle of the most alt left rants on race. Salon turned to editor-at-large D. Watkins, author of The B-Side, Living and Dying While Black in America from Left Wing Takes on Race, and includes a mix of legitimate concerns and crazy comments. He called Darren Wilson the cop for murdered Brown, even though he wasn't convicted of anything. Then Watkins makes a mainstream liberal argument. However, if you are white in America, you have an unfair advantage solely based on skin color, so deal with it. Do liberals ever leave the cities they so love? Have they seen Appalachia or white poverty scattered through the South? Apparently not. They don't seem to read even the liberal press on such topics. Here's HuffPost from 2015. Who gets food stamps? White people. That's some privilege. Actual quote. Before I became a reader, I had no problem breaking a Hennessy bottle across the back of some guy's head. That type of anger in me was solely attributed to an inability to communicate. The same anger that many officers carry inside them when they patrol the streets. And it's identical to the rage that burns in the poorest parts of the cities. Then he rants about our troubled schools, our poor living conditions, and the many racist policies our system has in place. What he doesn't tell you, that Baltimore, where he and I are both from, has had a liberal Democrat in charge for 50 years. Nor does he talk about all this shit happened under a black president. But that's okay. That system he complains about is run nearly every major U.S. city by other liberal Democrats. The system, systemic ills responsible for our pain, as he calls them, belongs to the left. Wow. That's a big bucket of dumb shit. IRS shuts down mom and pop dressmaker, sells dress within hours. It's sad as shit. Me's bridal and tuxedo was out of business after serving customers for decades because of tax back taxes they came in they sold everything I am almost positive if the owner was a minority under a Trump administration would be a big deal <clears throat> but they were white nobody cares 
So long, Hamburger Helper, America Venerable Food Brands are struggling. Firms include General Mills and ConAgra were slow to address the twin threats of fresher, more modern fare and inexpensive store brands. Big food is in trouble. This is from July 6th. For over a century, brands such as Kellogg's, Campbell Soup, and Aunt Jemima Pancake Mix filled pantries of American households that wanted safe, affordable, and convenient food. The provided companies reliable revenue growth for grocery sales, and there was little reason to mess with that formula until now. Yeah. It has more to do in the article. That heading doesn't really hit it. It's the generics that are killing these. Which, technically, the generics are made by them, but whatever. Granny flashes crowd at Dodgers game. An older woman shown dancing on the onboard video at the stadium flashed her boobies. And she was 80 years old. And I thought that was freaking hilarious. Which takes us to our lighter fare. Some funny stories that hit me. Schumer calls on FDA to regulate snortable chocolate. Chocolate which is chocolate, such as Coco Loco. So while he's not saying Trump is an embarrassment to the world and he needs to be impeached and being a raging jackass, now he wants to go over Coco. He's asking for snortable chocolate powder, saying he's worried that it could prove to be harmful. And he sent a letter to the food and drug. The suspected product has no clear health value. I can't think of a single parent who thinks it's a good idea for the children to be snorting over-the-counter stimulants up their noses. Marketed as raw cacao snuff, Coco Loco includes cocoa powder, which comes from beans used in making chocolate that contains some caffeine. Manufacturer Legal Lean Company doesn't detail other ingredients online, but according to the news reports, Coco Loco also includes common energy drink ingredients. It promises a feeling of well-being, mental focus, ecstasy like euphoria, and a rush of motivation that is great for partygoers to dance the night away. Uh, this is a Florida-based uh, group. The agency has said it hasn't yet determined whether it has authority to regulate sortable chocolate. Legal Lean Company, which sells Coco Loco online for $19.99 for a 1.25-ounce tin, did not return a call seeking comment. Founder Nick Anderson has said he didn't consult any medical professionals before but believes Coco Loco is safe. He said he developed it from snortable chocolate that circulated in Europe. There's really no negative publicity, so I feel we're good to go, he told ABC Good Morning America on Thursday. Doctors have said they're not certain what the effects of inhaling chocolate might be, but as you see, of course, ABC jumped to Schumer. Do you think this is good? Is this bad? <laughs> Shut up! Shia LaBeouf! Arrested for disorderly conduct, 10.30 a.m. Pacific time. Cops say early Saturday morning, she approached someone for a cigarette. When the person said no, he said he started swearing in front of a woman and kids. He was told to leave but refused and became aggressive towards an officer. When the cop tried to arrest Shia, the actor ran to a nearby hotel. He was arrested in the lobby and continued being unruly. She was released at 8.45 a.m. the next day on a $3,000 bond. He has also been arrested in Georgia for being wasted and losing control of himself. She was taken to custody at 4 a.m. Saturday morning. So he's just continually to be in arrest, and I love it. He's melted down. But remember, he will not divide us. He will not divide us. He will not divide us. Guy could be in Transformer 95, which was a huge hip hit, and, and he's not because he's an idiot. Well, we're aware that some people are offended by everything, and this could serve as even more evidence. William Shatner put up his first Facebook comment. 
Hello, everyone. How are you? He then said, So, a member of my Facebook group reported my post. This is the post. So, maybe it's that pronoun thing. Maybe everyone is not proper. I'm sure Nashville is going to get that next, Tennesseans. We're going to have the you improperly gendered somebody rules. Public radio sniffles unused confetti from Hillary Victory Potter party honored as feminist art. I just read that really poorly, but I read it. Your taxpayer-funded radio at work, arts reporter Willis Ryder Arnold, if you got a hyphen name, you're a douchebag of St. Louis Public Radio, W or KWMU-FM, just promoted a gallery showing for progressive artist, former Clinton Arts bureaucrat, Bunny Burson. But this is the precious part. Burson has used the confetti that never fell from Hillary Clinton's victory party at New York's Javits Center on election night to create inspirational art for the depressed feminists of America. The title of the installation is And Still I Rise, named after a book of poetry by Maya Angelou. Confetti falls like from a snow globe from a window of a Bruno David Museum in suburban Clayton, Missouri. You can drive by late at night and feel inspired when you can't sleep because Donald Trump is president. (laughs) It's all about the empowerment of woman. This is my metaphor for future because I believe this is it is to be inspired and to motivate and to empower young women and little girls to be bold, to dream big, to break their own glass ceiling, and to hopefully finally break that highest, hardest one. Bunsen told Arnold. He asked tough questions like, how did you actually get the confetti? It was shiny to represent shards of glass ceiling being broken. They packed 200 pounds of its back into a cardboard box, and she acquired it, whether it was donated or sold or was left unclear. Public radio reporters aren't big on getting answers from fellow liberals. Arnold also explained, Burson has been a Clinton supporter for years. She served as executive director of President Committee on the Arts and the Humanities and President Bill Clinton's administration as part of Hillary Clinton's Missouri Steering Committee. Burson's com- co- commitment to progressive policies remained unquelled since Trump's election. She hopes to grow a project inspired by Mama Angelou's volume of poetry to motivate women before the 2018 election and help raise support for progressive candidates. Burson said this exhibit would travel next to Colorado. Sister, crash this shit. She plans to make 1,000 snow globes with leftover confetti and sell them to give funds to Planned Parenthood. Going to their clinics is apparently what women do to be bold and dream big. They're shattering something in there, but it's not glass. So this article didn't have it, but um, I'm going to play it in the background. This is actually a video from Bunny Burson Studio on uh, Instagram. There you go. Yeah, that, that's some weak ass shit. It's literally just a window and still I rise. It's just showing the shiny confetti falling down. And I'm sure there are weeping women in front of that, but that is some fucking cult shit right there. That is what is wrong with the left. You're like a friggin' cult. And I am going to buy one of those snow globes. I know the money will go to PPFA, and I'm going to get one of those snow globes. I just got to keep looking for it. I actually bookmarked a site. I'm going to buy it, and then I'm going to bash it with a friggin' hammer. Okay, to a funny soundbite, React, which we covered a couple times on here. Kids, 
listening to old time rock music and shit. This one is Do Parents Know Modern Music? And once again, React, a YouTube channel. Enjoy. I can see me riding in a car, listen to this. I would have loved this back in the day at the club. I was young once. My ears are bleeding. Today, we're going to see how well you know some modern music. Okay. All right. I love these. I suck at this every time. I'm old school. I'm going to give it my best, but I, I know that... I don't know a lot of new songs. I'm going to fail miserably. I think I could recognize something like a Taylor Swift or a Katy Perry probably, but other than that, um, maybe not so much. I have a tendency to drift back into the ye old days of alternative rock and roll and grunge, but we'll see. I may know some things. I have kids. They keep me current-ish. Okay, I like this song. It's so good, it's so good. Okay, every time I hear this, I think about the hell of strawberry champagne. Lucky for you, that's what I like. That's I could see this like on in the car and me not cringing. I don't hate it, but I wouldn't listen to it on purpose. I think it's too poppy for me. So, do you know it? I have absolutely no idea. I've heard it, I don't know it. Uh, I'm not sure the song title is, I know it's Bruno Mars. I think it's called I Like It. <laughs> and I think it's probably like, I don't know, Bruno Mars. Uh, that's what I like, Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars, that's what I like. That's what I like by Bruno Mars. This is That's What I Like by Bruno Mars. This is Bruno Mars? I've got a little bit of Bruno Mars on my iPod. I'm not ancient. I like him. This is like old school music. Like he's bringing it back. He's just totally got that whole jam that's like everywhere from like the Jacksons through Prince on up. But he's totally original too. And he is amazing. Great voice. Who is this? Is it kind of familiar? This is a love song. Nice voice. See, he's talking about love. I like this. know the song but I like it do you know this one not even a little bit no totally know it then the artist is some dude with a sappy beautiful song James Arthur say you won't let go this is say you won't let go by James Arthur hmm I haven't heard of him. I haven't heard of James Arthur. It's a lovely song. He's got that Ed Sheeran vibe. When the song was first released, there were rumors that the script were planning on suing Arthur, stating that the song's chord progression was very similar to their song, The Man Who Can't Be Moved. Oh, not cool. Well, I better check out the script song because I really like the one you just played me. Oh, that's messed up. Sometimes some of the songs do copycat each other. The part of me that loves James Arthur says, I don't care. But the other part, as an artist, if he did listen to it and didn't give credit, that's just not cool. When the shit goes down, 
is much more my style. A whole lot more swearing. It's much better. I would have loved this back in the day at the club. I was young once. My ears are bleeding. I like it. It's a great song. Haven't we gotten past the old booty song yet? All right, do you know this one? No. No. I do not know this one. Bounce by Missy Elliott. I know it's Iggy Azalea. I know her voice. I know her voice. This was Mo Bounce by Iggy Azalea. No way. Come on, Iggy. God, I wish I could give her more props, but she can come up with something better than that. If I heard it in the club, I would bounce to it for sure. I don't know if I'd stick to it and listen to it all day, but it's got a good beat. If, um... It was something that my daughter had queued up. I'd tell her, turn it off. Skip the track. No. I like this. Okay, and I know this. Hey. That's nice. It's like the bass. <laughs> I like this song. I can see me ride. I can see me ride in the car. Listen to this. Sounds like something Daft Punk would do. Kind of that funky modern beat. I didn't hate it. I probably wouldn't even change the channel. Do you know this one? No, I don't know this one. I have not heard this song before. I've heard the song. I don't know the artist. This was Attention by Charlie Puth. Oh, really? Where's he from? I never heard of him. I never heard of Charlie Puth. It's a nice song, though. My kids love Charlie Puth. My daughter especially. It's very dreamy, I guess. She'll watch that and be like, oh my God, please stop. I like it a lot. It's got that little vibe of like, got a little edm in it-ish, but it's got a good dancey feel. Do you know this one? I don't. It's another song that I have not heard before. I know the song. Is it Alyssa Cara? Kind of sounds like Sia, but I don't know the name of the song. It's Halsey. I don't know the title exactly. Maybe it's Love Me Now or something. Maybe it's Now or Never. That would be a good name for that song. This was Now or Never by Halsey. See, I swear, I, could, I suck at this. I like it though. The beat is tight, you know. You can rock out to that right there. Alyssa Halsey and there's one other gal. This sounds kind of alike. The music video for Now or Never was Halsey's directorial debut and depicts forbidden lovers in a storyline that holds similarities to Romeo and Juliet. Oh, I like that. That sounds good. I might have to find me some Halsey. That's why I like Halsey. She like a nod to classic literature. I mean, could we ask for any more? That's amazing. I think it's cool. If you direct your misery, that means more paper, for, more money for you. So you ain't gotta pay a director to do it. I'm excited that I know this one. 
And I think this is a great new artist. That's a big guy with a beard, I believe. But I don't know his freaking name, man. Do you know it? I don't know this one. Heard it? I don't know the artist. It's on my playlist, and I couldn't tell you who sings it. I'm pretty sure it's Don't Put the, don't put the Blame on Me. Charlie Bone something? I don't know. That's Rag and Bone Man. That's Human. This was Human by Rag and Bone Man. Okay. I haven't heard of Rag and Bone Man, but I like the sound. Rag and Bone Man. I remember there was a bone in there! He has a cool, tough voice, you know, and he sings from the hearts, like a lot of soul. It's like that bluesy, kind of gravelly, kind of sexy. I'll take it every time. My kids dig it too. Like, we could actually listen to somebody together and nobody starts screaming. That's a bonus. You probably would never catch me listening to something like this in the car. It's catchy. <laughs> they evidently do not play this on the hip hop station. <laughs> I think I like that song. That was a cool song. You know, catchy. Last one. Do you know it? No. No, I don't know this one. I've never heard it ever. I totally know that song. Is it Ariana Grande? That is Selena Gomez. And I think it's Think About You. Selena Gomez. And I'm trying. <laughs> this was Bad Liar by Selena Gomez. Bad Liar. Selena Gomez is doing her thing nowadays, too. She was acting, now she's all into the music. That doesn't sound anything like her other music. She sounds good. Yeah. I think her voice is changing. So how do you feel you did today? I wish I knew better. It's like taking a test and I need to study or something. I want to do better. I think I'm finally accepting that I'm getting old. I used to always make fun of my dad for only being into the music of his day. And I was like, I'm never going to be that way when I'm older. I'm always going to like new music. Wow, that is not the case. I feel like I need an education in modern music. Once again, visit React, R-E-A-C-T. They have a YouTube channel. I love their stuff. I think it's super, super funny. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share with your family and friends. Send a comment about the track by sending an email to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Foppodcast, gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Foppodcast.com. It's a theme. To see links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page, and to email us, then you'll also see links to every episode on the episode release page, and my blog on the blog page. Next podcast is going to be July 14th, a Friday free-for-all. I hope you all have a great week. Make sure you stop, smell the roses, enjoy your family and friends, and give love to those that love you. Remember, this is a short, short ride, and sometimes we get distracted with stupid shit and don't enjoy it. I thank you all for listening, and take care. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor.